Welcome to episode 33 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 4. Together, we are creating a library of stories. I am your host, Hamida, and I want to bring you stories. Because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, I want to start today's episode by reading out to you two definitions. The first definition is for burnout. Burnout is physical or mental collapse caused by overwork or stress. The next definition is anxiety. Anxiety is an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear marked by physical signs such as tension, sweating, and increased pulse rate. And the reason why I've read these two definitions out to you is because that is what we're going to talk about today. If you have listened to my episodes in the past, you know that this is not the first time that we're talking about burnout. If you had listened to episode 15, I spoke to Anna as our guest who had experienced burnout and came out on the better side of it. And her life lesson to us was figure out what is not working and have the courage to change it. Our very recent episode, episode number 32, was with Candice Factor, a very renowned and successful entrepreneur in Canada. She told us about how her earlier career successes were not without the feeling of burnout, and she overcame it by taking space to create alignment between her head, heart, and soul. And today's episode is also about burnout, but we're taking this a step forward, and we are going to be talking to a coach who helps people with burnout and anxiety issues. Now, if we were over here in, um, say, a live seminar, and I asked everyone, whoever had burnout, to raise their hands, I'd be really surprised if most hands were not raised. So as you will concur with me, burnout is real. We all, at some point in our lives, have experienced burnout leading to anxiety, are experiencing it and know about it, or maybe some are experiencing it but either don't know about it or are in denial and don't want to accept that that's what's happening to them. Our guest for today is a creative wellness coach. As a coach, she helps ambitious creative people self-compassionately reduce overwhelm and replenish their energy so that they can avoid burnout and truly enjoy their success in work and in life. Everybody, let's welcome Rebecca Haas. Hello, Rebecca. Welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I would like you to start off by telling us a bit about yourself, please. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm Rebecca Haas, and I am a creative wellness coach and pianist and composer and I live in Oakland, California. Um, I focus on helping ambitious, creative people reduce their overwhelm and recover from burnout and do that in a self-compassionate way. And as a musician, I focus on Brazilian music, even though I play a lot of different styles. Okay, And, and when we were chatting a bit before the interview, you did say, that you've been doing online concerts. How does that go? Are you enjoying doing online concerts? Yeah, it has been fun. I was doing them kind of regularly since the beginning of COVID because it felt like a nice uplifting thing. Brazilian music is really uplifting for people and 
it's really fun to have people show up and kind of chat with them. You know, I did on Facebook live, so chat with them in the chat and people seem to really be positively affected by it. So yeah, that makes you feel really good. This is making me want to start doing them again because it's been a few months. Yeah, no, I think anything that you can do to uplift people's situation right now um, is just wonderful. So Rebecca, tell us your story. I just realized I forgot to say um, that I am also a podcaster and I have a podcast called Being a Whole Person, which is on the theme of how I help people as a coach. It's for self-compassionately growing your creative practice. Great. And I'd love to get those links from you so that I can add them to my show notes for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So my story. Let's, <laughs> let's hear your story. Uh, we were going to talk about my story of burnout and kind of working through that. So I guess I'll go back to the first time that I really realized that was happening. Um, in 20, no, in 2010, I was thinking that I would audition for grad school. I was thinking that I would go to school for collaborative piano and during a one month period of time, I went to three different cities on three different weekends to do auditions. And I was also at a day job where we were releasing a new software that we hadn't really tested and we were just kind of starting to use it. So I was having insane amounts of stress on both ends. And back then I didn't really have that many practices for taking care of myself. I didn't exercise, I didn't eat super well. Um, I was 26, so it hadn't really, I was at an age where I didn't really realize how that stuff could catch up with you quite yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and it definitely did catch up with me. Um, by the time I was figuring out about what would happen with grad school and the results of those auditions and ultimately rejections, I was in this period of very severe anxiety and it was so bad that I wasn't really able to eat normally. Like I just kind of felt sick all the time and I was like, well, I guess I'll just eat another banana because that's the only thing that sounds good. Like I had realized that it, it had really crept up on me and I wasn't able to function normally. And at that time I began seeing a therapist, which was life-changing I began exercising every day, just walking, but I would kind of, when I was feeling very anxious, I would just go outside and like walk as fast as I could. And as long as I needed to feel better and making those two changes, it took a while for that to take hold and for kind of my mental state to change. But I think that was the first turning point in realizing, okay, I had to make some real changes in how I was living my life. But then I would say the second time that that happened, that I had a period of real anxiety and really called it burnout because I don't think I understood what burnout was back then. Or, you know, when you're in music school, you are expected to work all the time. You have a lot of different classes. You kind of brag about how much time you spend practicing and how little time you spend sleeping. And it's just ingrained in you that working all the time is normal and that's what you're supposed to do. And 
you know, unless something disrupts that idea for you, you're going to keep doing it (laughs) (laughs) until you're forced to stop by your body probably. So, you know, I got better after being so anxious in 2010, but it caught up with me again because I hadn't really stopped the way that I was working. I was still in that mentality that work was the most important thing and that, you know, not working all the time meant I was lazy and just, it was very extreme. So 2016, along with being a stressful year because of that election, it was kind of a stressful year for me personally too. I I always say anxiety creeps up on you because I really think it does. You learn to adjust to that low level and then it gets a little higher and you learn to adjust to that. And, you know, I was telling myself because I was teaching piano at that time and I had 30 students, I felt like, okay, 30 was my goal. That'll be like a good number financially and I'm an introvert and that was a lot of time spent with people. And Mm -hmm. it turned out that once I reached that goal, I didn't like it at all. (laughs) It wasn't what I wanted on paper. It sounded good, but in real life, it didn't work for me. So it was that high load of students plus trying to go all in on composing and doing work that I was excited about, but you know, I, I just couldn't sustain that level of work. So I was thinking, okay, well, it's spring break. Spring break will make me feel better. And then spring break didn't make me feel better. And then I was like, well, spring is a really busy time for me. So it'll definitely get better by summer. And once I stopped working so much in the summer, kind of had a break, it was like, whoa, I am severely anxious again. And my quality of life is affected. And I I need to do something about this. So that summer of 2017, I more intensively looked at pretty much every aspect of my life and my health, started going back to therapy. I revamped my diet with a nutritionist. I had been going to acupuncture already, but I started doing that more because that had been a helpful thing for me anxiety-wise. I basically tried every holistic thing that you could think of, and it was not getting better. Hey, Rebecca. Yeah. Before you before you we proceed, can I ask you to l- tell us what kind of symptoms you were experiencing that oh, yeah. really made you say this is not where I want to be? Yeah. Well, physically it manifested itself like my heart just felt like it was racing all the time and sort of that just like buzzy amped up feeling and you know, the, the like upset stomach thing that was happening the first time around, it wasn't that severe, but there was sort of an edge of that too. But mainly it just felt like my brain was filled with static that I couldn't really think clearly Mm. and that everything was like sort of, yeah, static is like the best way I can explain it. It's sort of intangible and hard to put into words, but yeah, it, it was just like I couldn't really focus on anything else. I, I was able, like I was high functioning. I was able to complete my responsibilities and go to work. And like, I'm a stoic Midwesterner. So like, I don't think people really knew unless they knew me well, but I wasn't really to do, able to do much else outside of work at that time. I would just kind of try to rest and relax. And what people don't know if they haven't experienced anxiety is how physically exhausting it is to be in that fight or flight state all the time. So I was just tired all the time. I just mm. felt like, okay, well, I got to lay down. 
Okay. If any of the listeners are experiencing all of this, then you know they know they they know not to ignore it and really yeah do something about it. But you were telling us uh, about what happened in 2017. Yeah. So that summer went on and I was, you know, continuing to function on the outside, but like I wasn't feeling good at all. And eventually my therapist was like, okay, have you thought about meds? I know you don't really want to do that, but have you, do you maybe want to reconsider? And I thought, well, I've been struggling. Like life is a struggle when you're anxious because nothing, things that are normal are hard to do because your brain is just telling you scary, scary all the time. And so I didn't want to continue living like that. I was like, okay, I think I'll try this. And luckily that is the thing that sort of tipped the balance for me. And I don't by any means want to say meds are the answer. And like, you should just go to your doctor and get some pills and it's going to be fine. I need to have a healthy lifestyle otherwise. You know, I know that pills are just not the thing, but I, I like to talk about this just to say, you might look at someone and see that they look like they're really doing a good job and functioning really well, but they might not be. And it is not a bad thing if you need some extra support in whatever way, you know, whether that be medically or emotionally or physically, any, any other kind of support. But totally with you there. Yeah. So I just want to normalize it. I'm not saying it to encourage it. Yeah. Ever since 2017 and that bout of anxiety, I share with people about my anxiety all the time because I'm like, so many people are experiencing it. And I just really want to make it okay to talk about it. And you're not the first one who says that it took them a while to get comfortable to take meds because yeah. I've speaking, spoken to so many who've gone through the same um, thought process as you did. I'd rather not take the meds. I'd rather just do this on my own. Yeah. And then luckily for you, meds worked and luckily for those others who it's worked for, but there are some who it absolutely did not work for. So again, right. it's a very individual situation. Absolutely. And I was going to say too, that I feel very lucky that the first one I tried did work. It was a very difficult adjustment period. I, it's funny because they list under the symptoms, like anxiety is a symptom. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but really the first couple of weeks while I was adjusting, I was unable to sleep. Basically every other day I wouldn't sleep really at all. And then the next night I'd be so tired that I would sleep. But it was, it was a rough like two to three weeks. But once I got past that, I realized that sort of static that I was describing had kind of lifted mm. that I was able to like hear my own thoughts again. <laughs> and that's how I knew that, okay, I think this is working. I'm cautiously optimistic and, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily intend for it to be a forever thing, but if it is, I don't think that's bad either. Mm. And you said you also checked in with um, a therapist. Yeah. How helpful is that? so, so helpful. Mm. It was a game changer for me the first time because I really just thought I was going insane because I was just, you know, I, I couldn't do anything and my heart was racing all the time and I was kind of in panic mode all the time. And the biggest thing that I learned the first time I went to therapy was that you don't have to listen to your thoughts. Like your thoughts are not absolute truth. 
Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And I was like, really? All those crazy things, all those like negative things that are coming up aren't necessarily true? What? (laughs) Did did the therapist ever tell you where those thoughts are coming from? I mean, if if they're not true, I I think we are going into philosophy now, but yeah. You know, I always question that. Okay, I I personally am not a negative person. I'm a very positive person. Uh-huh. But it's not like I don't have negative thoughts. Yeah. So where are they coming from? <laughs> I don't know that we even really got into where they're coming from as much as just that they're not necessarily truth and you don't necessarily have to listen to them. Sure. She had me more thinking like, okay, can you just question whether that's true and like what thought could you replace it with that would be more helpful? That's interesting. If you see, you can't see a thought, but if you think a thought that is negative, her approach was understand that it is negative and see what positive thought you can replace that negative thought with. That's, that's, That's a good approach. And I know there are a lot of different kinds of therapy and I'm not an expert in all of those types of therapy, but like there are cases where you would go back and say, okay, where are these thoughts coming from? But I think she could see that it was an acute situation that it was because of my anxiety that my thoughts were so tipped in this direction that maybe it didn't really matter in the immediate as much where they were coming from as much as it was just like, okay, don't let them take over. All right. So you're, you are a proponent of um, going to therapy at this. Yeah. Something like this. Absolutely. And how do you, I wish it was more accessible. Mm -hmm. Like that is the unfortunate thing is it's really not affordable for a lot of people without good healthcare, but I hope to someday live in a world where we can all have therapy that's affordable. (laughs) Tell us from all of these experiences, Rebecca, what are your life lessons that you would like to share with um, the listeners and you being a coach, if you can provide us with some tools on how to get to the other side of this. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I like to talk about is like, we use the phrase red flags a lot. So you asked me like how I knew that I felt that anxiety and, you know, I described heart racing and, you know, not being able to think clearly and all that stuff. So like, those are red flags, but I like to talk about pink flags, like the little symbols that you might not notice that I didn't notice when it was creeping up on me. But now I understand what those are for me because I've taken the time to really observe, okay, I feel crabbier than normal. I don't feel like I enjoy things that I normally enjoy. Um, Sometimes it'll be like a sensory thing for me. Like I'll be more bothered by loud noises. That's something that I notice when, okay, my anxiety level is getting a little bit higher. And so if you can identify those things that come before the big time red flags, you can take actions to either soothe your nervous system in a sensory way or really just step back and say like, what do I need right now? It could be so many different things and it could be very personal, but I tend to focus on the nervous system soothing stuff right now because I think we're all in a heightened state Mm -hmm. (laughs) being in a pandemic and those of us on the West Coast being in wildfires now. But like Mm -hmm. another thing I'll notice that's like a pretty minor thing, but is definitely a sign. I'll be sitting here at my desk working and I'll notice I'm kind of holding my breath. 
I'm breathing, but I'm kind of like holding my chest inward. It feels a little bit tight. So then I'll just put my hand on my chest because I find that very comforting. Like someone else might find putting a hand on a different part of their body more comforting, but like I'll put it here on my chest and then I'll just stop and take a deep breath Mm -hmm. or maybe more, but like just taking a couple deep breaths. I know everyone's like, oh, meditation. I should meditate. That'd be good for me, but I just can't get myself to do it. And I know a lot of people sort of get down on themselves about that. And it's like, if you can develop a meditation practice, that's awesome. But if you don't feel like you can do that, if that's just like too much to do one more thing in this state that we find ourselves in, Mm -hmm. if you can take a moment to take five deep breaths, that'll make a difference. It doesn't need to be anything big. That's a, that's a great tip. And and I love your concept of trying to identify the pink flags. Um, mm-hmm. That's a really good way of looking at it because if you can work on those, then hopefully the red flags won't even show. Yeah. And then again, like if one, having one more thing in your life right now, it seems like too much. This can sound like a lot, but having a regular practice of checking in with yourself just to see like, how am I feeling? Just to say, how am I feeling? And be able to name a feeling that can really make a huge difference because when we're feeling frazzled, we don't take the time for that. We might not even process or register that we're feeling stressed. So you could set an alarm on your phone for a certain time each day to just be like, how am I feeling? And it doesn't need to be anything big or profound. You can take 10 seconds to do it, but just the fact that you're taking the time to do it is really meaningful. And then for me, I do a weekly check-in every week and I ask myself four questions. What worked this week? What didn't work this week? What did I learn? And what do I want for next week? And that takes me 15 minutes. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it really has been very life-changing to do that and just to know like how, how I feel and what feedback I can give myself to do something differently. I also have a worksheet for that, which I can give you the link for. Oh, that'd be the great. free worksheet that people yeah, can download. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's going to take a lot of time, but it seems no, yeah. it can have a good impact. Right. Yeah. yeah. I also wanted to ask you, Rebecca, that but you, you just said, okay, check in with yourself daily. Ask yourself just, you know, in 10 seconds, how am I feeling? So say the answer that you get is frazzled, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. You can, well, it depends on what you feel you have the capacity for at that moment. Like maybe you're in the middle of a meeting and you're like, hey, I'm feeling really frazzled and you would like to step out of the meeting and do something else, but you don't have that option. So like it kind of depends where you're at with your day mm-hmm. at that moment. But say you're just sitting by yourself. Again, I would go back to that question, what do I need right now? And, and maybe just say like, what would make me feel less frazzled right now? What would make me feel safe? What would make me feel comforted? Sometimes those words get used in a negative way when we're thinking about growing and, you know, in the self-help world, it's like, continue to grow, continue to grow. And staying in your comfort zone is sort of seen as a bad thing. But I think when you're already in a state of stress, that comfort is fine. It's not just fine. It's helpful. Mm -hmm. It's probably not the time to be pushing yourself beyond your comfort if you don't feel okay about that at that moment, but maybe it is, you know, that's another thing. Just take a second to ask yourself, like, yeah, what feels okay right now? 
I'm really liking these tools that you're providing. Tell, tell me more. Do you have any more tools for our listeners? What else can they do? Specifically for anxiety or? Just to get to the better side of their lows if they are in their lows. Yeah, absolutely. I think just doing small things that feel good also, which sounds like, oh, that's easy. But so often we deny ourselves of that. We feel like, okay, well, whatever I do has to have this purpose and it has to be productive. And as I've been focusing on compassionate productivity, I really think that making yourself feel good isn't a frivolous thing and it helps you do better work. And I don't want to say that like work is the ultimate goal of everything. Like you want to feel good because you want to enjoy your life too. But if productivity is what you're focused on, feeling good is probably going to make that better for you. And it can be something super simple. It can be like, okay, I'm going to make a cup of my favorite tea while I work and I'm going to enjoy that. Or I'm going to stand up and like dance around the room for a minute. And these are all like work from home things. I'm assuming that no one can see. I'm talking as a person in a room by myself right now, but you know, taking a moment to stretch or like cat breaks are one of my favorite things. I just like go pet my cat or the other day, I know everyone saw in the news, like the, the orange skies here in the Bay area and how dark it was. And it was very unsettling. It felt very apocalyptic and Uh I felt on edge the whole day. So what I did is I would go pick up my cat and I would hold on to him and I just walked across my house very slowly, like in sort of a meditative way. And I did that basically until he was too heavy for me to hold anymore because he weighs 13 pounds. But but I was hugging something warm. That was the thing that in that moment felt very comforting to me. So, And that made you feel better. Yeah. I think giving yourself the permission to do the thing that will feel good and that will make you feel better is, is a large part of it for especially people who don't tend to give themselves that. That's you deserve to do that. It's good. It's okay. (laughs) That's a really good point. Thank you for that, Rebecca. These are nothing that you need a lot of time for or effort for or need to go places for. This is something that you can do just when you're by yourself. Um, Exactly. So thank you for all those tips. Is there a final message that you would like to give to the listeners? I think above all, be kind to yourself. We're going through some really hard stuff right now. Even when we're not going through hard stuff, be kind to yourself. But especially now, treat yourself nicely and allow yourself to process. Yeah, Rebecca, it was um, great listening to your story and all of the tips that you gave. Uh, Definitely will take the worksheet and put the link in my show notes and also Um, to your podcasts. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listeners, for those who are experiencing stress, burnout, or anxiety, I hope you were able to take away some tools from this discussion that you can use for yourself. Here are my key takeaways. One, definitely notice the red flags, but also try to notice the pink flags to identify the onset of anxiety. Then, take steps to soothe yourself, which could lessen the symptoms of the oncoming anxiety. Two, have a daily practice of checking in with yourself. This can take only a few seconds. Ask yourself, how am I feeling? And give that feeling a name. Three, 
Give yourself the permission and time to do small things that make you feel good. It is not frivolous to do things for yourself. And lastly, for all our sakes, let's make it okay to talk about stress and anxiety openly in society. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be well.